Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. They were like, you need to stop. But what I decided to do was hide it and look more functional. That was like when it became obvious, like it's not enjoyable at all anymore. And I can't stop when I try. I am desperate. I need help. My guest today is named Stephanie Graves. She is a recovering alcoholic and addict advocating for long-term sobriety. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. I am Stephanie Graves. I am an alcoholic. Um, I qualify for many programs, (laughs) but I'll just introduce myself as a generally recovering person um, in many regards. Awesome. So glad to have you on the show today, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. If you wouldn't mind, maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about you, your backstory, what your life looked like, how you found drugs and alcohol, and just kind of give us a a picture of who you were and then Mm -hmm. how you found recovery and how you moved into this recovering person that you are today. So basically, the kind of concise version of it is I didn't like my reality very much growing up. Um, I tried to figure out a lot of different ways to escape reality, um, kind of disassociate from it. And I, my dad was an alcoholic and I did not want alcohol to be one of the options for a long time because of that. But it ended up when I was in call, when I went off to college, alcohol became my go to for dealing with not being able to be in my own skin and just feeling like basically I felt like an alien from outer space. Like that's how I like to describe it. But just like you're an alien walking around and people are like, what planet are you from? And you're just like, I don't know. I'm just here. And I'm just like, you know, trying to figure out how to to be among people. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but for me, alcohol was a solution to that feeling. And I think a lot of people can maybe relate to that feeling of just feeling like you don't fit in or you don't belong and you want to belong. You want to be a part of, and you want to figure out how to do that. For me, alcohol helped me in the beginning to be able to socialize just in in college and like hang out with people that I thought were cool and that I didn't think I should be hanging out with. And I felt accepted being inebriated made it to where I could feel like it was okay for me to be in that situation, like hanging out with people I didn't think I should be hanging out with or wasn't cool enough to be around. 
yeah. So for me, what my addiction looked like was, well, first of all, I would say I had consequences from the beginning. I drank like an alcoholic from the beginning. So I never had a time where I drank one or two drinks. I never had a time where I didn't have consequences. I just I had consequences from the beginning. I had alcohol poisoning. I had a lot of consequences in terms of just like relationships and trying to keep roommates. Like the, it was kind of like minimal in terms of the grand scheme, but I had them in the beginning. And then over time, um, as I started to use harder drugs and like hang out with different people, like drug dealers and like just kind of gotten a different crowd and stuff like that, the consequences escalated to where I was like ODing and I was like, you know, just in different situations that were more dangerous, I guess, like more life-threatening and getting like, you know, ending up in the psych ward, getting taken out of college. I started going to treatment when I was 21. I went to treatment three different times. You know, it was, it was just problematic. I never had like a drinking time that was regular. And so I think that's part of the reason why I ended up getting sober young was just because the consequences added up. It was obvious I didn't drink like other people and I could not control it. And towards the end of my drinking, when I was 23, I did not enjoy it. I could not control it. I did not enjoy it. It was like, it was like, it controlled my life and it was not enjoyable. And I'll just describe like the last six months, but basically, you know, it was obvious to the people around me that I had a problem and they were like, you need to stop. But what I decided to do was hide it and look more functional. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to hide alcohol and, you know, just try to hide that. And then people will get off my back. And then that's the main issue. And the problem with that is that meant I was drinking by myself and like, or trying to drink by myself, which was just really depressing and not what the point of it was in the beginning. And um, I think that was like when it became obvious, like it's not enjoyable at all anymore. And I can't stop when I try. So it just led me to this point of surrender where I was just like, I need like a spiritual intervention. Like I am desperate. I need help. You know, I got on my knees. I prayed. I asked for help. God, please help me stop drinking. I don't know how to do it. You know, and I ended up just doing it kind of the old fashioned way. I went into AA. I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I was of service from the very beginning. I just did what my sponsor told me to do out of desperation. Um, And that has worked for me. Uh, My sobriety date is May 11th, 2009. I was 23. Now I'm 36. And recovery for me has been the best decision of my life. And the passion and purpose of my life is to support other people and having long-term sobriety. Like that's the biggest thing that I want. I want people to get sober younger and I want people to get sober longer (laughs) because I want their kids to not have to deal with you know, my childhood was tragic because of my father's alcoholism. There's no other way to describe it. My addiction was tragic for me. Like that period of time, I was like dead inside. 
And I just don't, I want people to live. Like I want people to rise above that, you know, that disease, like the disease of addiction. Like it doesn't have to control our lives. We can live really amazing, productive lives. We can be good parents. We can be good friends. We can be good in relationships, you know, and have that feeling of being a part of that we were looking for. Like I found that. I found that in recovery. I I love my reality now. I accept my reality now. I don't have to escape my reality now. It it and that feels so good to me, you know? And to be able to say I like who I am as a person, I feel like I have a purpose and I don't regret my past. I don't wish to shut the door on it. It's got a purpose too. You know, all of that is the beauty of recovery because it's like a miracle. So I hope that answered <laughs> the question that you asked me. Yeah, definitely. I related to a lot of it. There at the beginning, you were talking about just feeling like an alien, feeling out of place. And I can relate to that because that those are the same kind of feelings that I had. And that and that's where when my solution became first alcohol and, and marijuana and then eventually down the road, harder substances. But it was that same thing where I didn't ever feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I fit in with the people I was around. I just felt out of place. I didn't feel comfortable in those kind of social situations and, you know, taking a drink or, or smoking a joint or whatever would just kind of take the edge off, kind of make things feel okay. You know, that was, that was, I mean, like, I felt like you were telling my story there at the beginning. Cause that's exactly how I felt is like, I don't know how to people, like, how do I, how do I do yes, this? I don't know how to people. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how to people. I don't, I really don't. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, I feel like I still have some of those same social anxieties today, but it's a work in progress. Like as I go to meetings and I'm around new people, different people, as I do podcast interviews and talk to different people, like I'm slowly beginning to feel more comfortable around people. I mean, I'm, I still feel like I'm an introvert at heart. Like I'd rather, you know, sit, sit at home and, and watch TV or read a book or something than go out. But I can be in social situations and not have to lean on that crutch of, of drugs or alcohol. And I can, like you said, like accept my current reality and not try to not try to change it. Yeah. That's been the biggest piece for me is just that learning to, well, I I love, I heard someone say that like we create, you know, we find our higher power and then we create a reality that we don't have to escape. And for me, that's been what it is, is, is my higher power and the support of the 12 step community, people in recovery, every, every part of it has helped me create a reality that I can be down with, you know, like, yes, I wake up, I'm good with this day, you know, I can make the most of it, even through hard times, I can deal with hard times, like, you know, I don't have to escape, I have solutions, I have a toolbox, Uh, I can be of service to other people, you know, that's the biggest thing for me is service, like, if I'm able to talk to someone else and kind of help them um, in their recovery journey, that's me living my purpose. And it just helps me have that reason to get out of bed in the morning. You know, you kind of need those things. And, and that helps me a lot is being of service and just knowing like, okay, I helped you a little bit today. Like, hopefully that'll piece together and you'll get your time and you'll get your, 
you know, seeing people get their year, get their, like later on, you see them, they have five years, like that kind of stuff is like amazing. And like little chickadee, like baby young ones. Like I, I usually work with, um, you know, younger girls, like that are, that were close to my age and just helping them kind of see that they can have a life in their twenties. Like even if they get sober early. So yeah, it's really cool. I love that. And, and then there's so many different ways that we can be of service. You know, I think, I think some of us kind of have that mindset of like being of service means that we have like a position at our home group and we do something there, but you know, being of service can be, can mean so many different things. I mean, like your Instagram profile where you're living your recovery out loud. Like that is an act of service. Yes. The podcast is an act of service. You know, it's, it's, it is. there's so many different ways that we can be of service. Even if we don't have some kind of like platform like that, even just the way we behave at like the grocery store or whatever mm-hmm. people see that we're acting differently. Like our lives can, we can be of service just by living this new way of life and, and people wanting to know, like, I remember you five, 10 years ago when you were this way. Now you're, now you're this way. What changed? Like why, what, what, like you seem like such a different person then. And sometimes that can lead to those conversations of being able to talk to people that might not be able to find the rooms of recovery or aren't to the point where they're willing to go to a meeting, but you can, you know, plant those seeds of recovery just by living your life. I love that you said that. That makes me so happy because I do think sometimes people feel pressure that their recovery or their service needs to look a specific way. And I even remember feeling like that. And I learned it doesn't like service is just you like being available to just be a vessel of you know, of goodness and like helping people telling your story, just like being available in different ways. Technology offers us so many other ways to be of service, social media, like the podcast you're doing. That's amazing. Like Twitter, Instagram, like we have all these ways we can live out loud in our recovery, answer questions, just be available to people. And it's it's still attraction rather than promotion. Like I do think that that you know, it's, it's, we're not throwing it down people's throats and I never want to do that. But the point is more just to say like, I'm here, like, this is my life. I'm, I'm available. If you have questions about recovery, if you are struggling, if you need some inspiration, like we can be of service so many ways. And I think our job is just to kind of be open to it, you know, like open to the different ways that Mm -hmm. we can help people. Mm -hmm. And it does not have to look a certain way. It doesn't because like, I don't want to be a GSR. I'm not going to front like (laughs) I've I've done like that does not sound like a good position for me. And not to say I have, you know, I've held outreach positions. I've done treasurer. I've started meetings. I've done a lot of the traditional routes, you know, in recovery. I feel like for me as a creative person, I have my own path that I'm going to walk in terms of how I can be most helpful. And I like the eclectic version of like, I work in treatment, so I'm helping there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Sober Sidekick. I'm on Twitter. I try to just keep it, keep a mixed bag and just try to like be available on multiple platforms because I want to, I want to do that. I mean, that's just the, I want to be available to people to help them. 
Absolutely. And I love that you brought up Sober Sidekick. That's, that's such a cool app. And if, if you haven't <laughs> checked it out, you need to check that app out. And uh, actually, a couple weeks ago, uh, on the other on the live stream, we got to interview the creator of the Sober Sidekick app. No way! That's yeah. awesome! Yeah. Yeah, so that was really cool to get to meet him and stuff. So if anybody's listening and you ha- and you haven't looked at that app or haven't downloaded it or aren't a part of that community, pause the podcast, go download the app, create a profile, and get on there because it is an awesome, awesome app. It's very cool. I like it a lot. I like that there's a lot more. I just think technology is going to be – it can serve recovery. I think it will serve recovery. I think it will get it to more people. That have had bad experience, you know, Twitter is teaching me a lot. I didn't realize how many people have had negative experiences in 12 step. Um, I had met a handful in the past of people that, you know, that wasn't their journey, but they stayed sober. But I, I want to be more open to different, you know, walks of recovery because the point is I just want you to stay sober. So <laughs> if you stay sober in a different way, but you're living a life and you're staying sober, like that, that is what I hope for. And, and so I want to be supportive on, you know, a multitude of ways to do that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm glad Twitter's given tw- Twitter has taught me a lot and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I love that you bring that up because I, I kind of had the same, I had a very, I, I hate to say closed minded, but that's what it was. Like when I first started the podcast, I had a very closed mind and in my mind, 12 step was the solution. That's the answer. Cause that's, you know, that's how I found recovery and that's how, you know, I've maintained for seven and a half years now is 12 step recovery. Ooh. And I thought, you know, that's the solution. If everybody will just work a 12 step program, you'll be good to go. And I never really looked at any of the other options that were out there. And through the podcast, I've been able to meet different people that have, that don't have the same recovery journey as I have that use different programs. Don't even use programs. I've met people that just stay sober through meditation, just stay sober through yoga. Like there's so many different viable options out there. And, you know, with, with the drug and alcohol epidemic that we have right now, instead of it being us versus them and us being like tribal to our different recovery fellowships, we all need to come together with the focus of saving lives because fighting over which program's better or which one works like that. We're beyond that. Like we don't even like, I don't, I don't know how to put it into words. Like we don't need to focus on that the focus needs to be coming, coming together and, and, you know, trying to help people because there's, you know, just because something works for me, doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. I can tell you, here's what I did. Here's how it worked in my life. But if that doesn't work for you, find a way that does, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I'd rather you, you know, I, and even like harm reduction, like in the beginning, I was kind of against that and, you know, kind of had some weird ideas about it, but you know, I'd rather somebody that was using hard drugs. If, if the only way that you can do it is, you know, maybe you smoke weed, but you don't do anything else like Mm -hmm. good for you. I'd rather you be smoking weed than dead. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather you not be using the hard drugs and, you know, get a bad batch and die because we, we can't, we can't recover if we're dead. It is paramount that we unite in the cause of recovery because people are dying. Like it is a serious issue. I, I wish, you know, I do believe in it being lighthearted, like sobriety's fun. 
we should have fun, all that good stuff. But this is like a serious, people are dying. Lots of people are dying. It is a serious problem. Like, yes, who cares? Honestly, like I was the same way. I was like 12 steps it, that's it. You can't recover any other way. And now I'm just like, I am open because I really want the end goal to be what matters. And that's for people's lives to, to have to people to have a life and not to die, to have it cut short because they OD because fentanyl was laced with something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, this is, it's so much bigger than, you know, what program you are using. People are losing their moms, their daughters, their fathers, their uncles, their best friends. This is so much bigger than what we think is right. Like we have to support each other. We have to, Mm. so that people can live. Cause I got to live. Like (laughs) that's the reason that's the reason I got to live. Like God, my higher power, let me live. You know, when I was living such a destructive lifestyle, I got to live and I want other people to, to live too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think for me, I think the only, or at least in my mind, like the, the only way that we can really reach a lot of these people is by meeting them where they're at. You know, we can't necessarily wait for people to, to come into the rooms. We need to have, you know, we need, we need to recover out loud. Like we were talking about earlier, we need to have our social media presence where people, if, if they're curious or want to know about recovery, if they type in like a, a recovery hashtag or whatever, like they can find people that are in recovery to connect with, mm-hmm. you know, and that's part of like, uh, you know, even like the harm reduction piece of like handing out Narcan or, or clean supplies or whatever, at least we're making those connections. And then people know, like, I can trust this person because they're, they have my best interest in mind, or they're, they're trying to help me stay safe while I'm using like whatever the avenue is, we have to be out there on the front lines with the people that are still using yes, and, and let them know that there's another way to do this, you know, cause we can't just sit back and wait for people to find us. Yeah. And take care of ourselves too. That's one of the biggest things that I've learned too, is when you are being of service and being a helper and a healer and all that stuff, you know, put your mask on before you put someone else's mask on, take care of yourself so that you can be of maximum service. That is our job. Like we have to love and take care of ourselves so that we can be useful and that we can reach more people. You know, that's so important. That's something I'm learning right now. Mm, I love that you bring up that point, though, because we have to make sure that we're still taking care of ourselves. I know I've fallen into that trap where I'm like service commitments and doing all these different things. And then, you know, just just exhausted physically, mentally, just drained. And we have to remember that. And it's like really cliche about like we have to make sure that our pitcher is full so we can pour into other people. But it's true that we have to make sure we take care of ourselves and and we can't just constantly give, give, give. We have to take time and like recharge. And, you know, there's like here recently, my service commitment at my home group, my, my term ended and I've been in a service position for the last, I don't know, I think like five years. And they asked me to, to take a different position. And I said, no, thank you. Like, I'm just going to take a little time for me. I'm just going to go to meetings and not feel like I have to have this obligation of like, go to the business meeting, do this, mm-hmm. do that. Like, I just want to go to a meeting and just recharge. Like, I don't want to do anything extra. And I, yeah, I felt bad when I said it, cause I felt like it was kind of selfish, but at the same time I was like, well, there's still other areas where I'm being of service. There's still ways that I am giving back 
to the recovery community or trying to help people that might be looking for the recovery community. So I just need to, I need to take these couple hours a week that I was spending doing this commitment. I'm going to take that time back for me so I can kind of have a little bit of me time. Yeah. We need that balance. I remember like being like a uh, 12 stepped out. Like I had like too many sponsees, too many meeting commitments, like to the point where I burned myself out. And then I was like, I need a break. It was like, I took it too far. And I feel like sometimes we need to have that balance of we, we shouldn't be depleted and we shouldn't feel like we don't have anything to give. And for me, that's been finding service commitments that energize me, that it feels like, yes, this is like the right thing for me to do. I can balance my time and take care of myself, but I can also be of service in these different areas. Because that's something that's easy to do, especially for addicts. We can be really extreme with our time. Like, I'm going to dive into 12 step and do it every minute. And then you're just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like, <laughs> I need to have another part of my life. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can relate to that. Like anything, anything that I find an interest in, all of a sudden I can just become obsessed with it and just like pour so much time into it. I mean, even like starting the podcast, I had no idea how to podcast. And then in like a week, I read like every blog article, watched every YouTube video, like knew everything that I could find, like every piece of content I could find about podcasting. I consumed in like a week and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. I got this. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Just obsessed. <laughs> and I can still do that with other things. You know, that's, that's, that's like the double edged sword, you know, as long as I can focus that power on good, positive things, I'm okay. When I, when I get off in some negative stuff and then I'm focusing on whatever, like that's, I'm in the danger zone, but like mm -hmm. you were talking about balance is so important and finding that balance and, and it looks different for everybody. And, and, you know, I've had several situations in my life that have changed in the last year, you know, from a, you know, getting a new job, moving to a different place, like all these, uh, have my wife and I having a baby, like mm -hmm. all these different pieces that are different from what my life looked like a year ago. So now I have to reevaluate and figure out what my balance looks like. And it's, it can be really tricky. It really can. It is. I think that's, I think that's why we all need so much support too, because it it is, it's like, you know, when we have a new phase of our life that we have to we have to kind of address that for me being in a relationship and moving in and living with someone was such a big adjustment mm. of my time. It's a beautiful, amazing thing, but it's, it's also just like, Oh, okay. Now I'm balancing a relationship and myself and my higher power and my, my recovery. I totally get that. We, we have to like reevaluate all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, I find myself like I'll get in this place of like being comfortable. I get into like a routine and then I don't want to vary from that routine. I don't know if you're the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, totally like that. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. Cause like, even though I'm in a constant state of transformation, I'm not happy about that. I would rather it, there just be some stability or like a routine and things like that. And I try to implement that for myself. It's very difficult. And I don't like getting out of whatever I'm used to doing. When you're in recovery, you're supposed to be looking at what's serving me, what's not serving me. And you kind of have to like make those changes and stuff. It's, it's a process. I try to just not get 
down on myself for being where I'm at. Like, just be where you're at, do the best you can. And hopefully it will serve a purpose, even if I don't understand it at the time. Definitely. I mean, I think it drives my wife crazy because she's always like, you're such a creature of habit because it's like everything. (laughs) If we go to a restaurant, there's like one item on the menu that I get and I get the same thing every time we go to that restaurant. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, I just have like... It's like, and I've told, it's like, well, I like that. Why would I try something different? What if I yeah. don't like this other thing? I know I like that. Why, why would I, why would I veer from that? <laughs> but that's kind of <laughs> like the whole story of my life. You know, that's even like going back into addiction. I was like, I found the drug that I like. I'm yeah, going to stick with this like one this. drug. I why like would I go away to a different one? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was funny. Yesterday I was, we went on like a road trip and like, I was like, say something like oh i'm so unpredictable and josh was like no you're very predictable (laughs) and i was like i was like to you you're around me all the time you know what i mean but like it's so true like i i guess i am like groundhog's day a little bit you can kind of tell like how i'm gonna function that day right and i think for me i think that's where being of service comes into that because when i'm in that same routine and i find like my normal sometimes it can feel kind of mundane like oh this day i go to work then i come home i go to a meeting then you know i have like this whole kind of i have my life somewhat scheduled uh so i think being of service i think for me that's part of what kind of makes me feel spontaneous makes me feel Mm -hmm. like every day is not the same day because I can talk to different people and I can have different conversations and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, and I love getting those messages on social media of people that are, you know, thinking about recovery, want to know a little bit more about it, want to know where to start. Like I love having those conversations with people that are curious about recovery. Oh, it's so cool. That's the best thing is like recovery is exciting. I love hearing people's stories. It's amazing. Like, just getting to talk to a new person, hear a new story, like hear a new recovery journey. It's the, it, I call it the greatest show on earth because it, it, it is like it, recovery is exciting. It's an exciting journey. And you have this connection with people that's automatic because you, you've been through the same thing that is so challenging and come out on the other side. And it's just like, what, where else do you have that kind of connection with people? I don't know. Mm, Yeah. And I think it's important for people to hear that because before I found recovery, I felt this sense of uniqueness. Like nobody's going to understand what I've been through. Nobody's going to know, like nobody can relate. And then I walk into the rooms and as people are sharing, I'm like, oh, that's part of my story. Oh, I've been there. Like hearing little bits and pieces of my story as other people talk. And then finally, not feeling like an alien feeling like I found my people. Like these people understand me. These people get what I've been through and just kind of, you know, being able to just like, yeah, Oh, I can kind of let my guard down a little bit. Like, you know, I'm still a little unsure in the beginning, but it's like, I can, I can kind of, kind of take a little, little load off, just kind of relax a little bit and, and, you know, be around some people that understand. Yeah. It helps us like, it gives us permission to be ourselves. You know, because it's like, I can be myself in a 12 step room because I know after time, I know I'm okay. It's okay. Like they do understand, you know? And I think in the beginning, cause I was so young coming in and I remember being like, Oh, nobody understands getting sober when they're 23 or whatever. And then it's like, you are so not alone. There's like a 
like tons of young people that get sober. Like that's not unique or anything like that. And even if I was the only person, they still understand where, what I'm going through. Even if they got sober at a different age, like that was, it was like, I could tell the difference between what my addiction was trying to keep me like locked in addiction. Or if like, this was like a real thing. And for me, like you said, every story I could relate to, it's like, you can't argue that evidence. Like I, I relate to everybody's story because I, I know what it feels like. And there's just nothing, it's just, there's nothing like that, that I could even describe. I fit in. That's amazing. <laughs> I fit in in 12 steps. As much of an alien as I was, or still feel like sometimes like in the rooms of recovery, I fit in because I am like all of you. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to say it. Even if it is, I don't look like you or we didn't come from the same background or anything like that. I am like you because we both have the same disease of addiction and we know what that looks like. I love that. I absolutely love that. Just the, the community that we can build in, in recovery. It's, it's truly is a wonderful thing. And I'm so, so grateful for it. We're getting kind of towards the end of our time. So I would love if you could let the listeners know if they want to connect with you on social media, what are some ways they can find you? Uh, what kind of stuff are you involved in? What kind of content are you posting? You know, those kind of things. So on Instagram, my sober Instagram is Stephanie is sober. Um, and then on Twitter, it is at Steph sober life. Those are the two ways that I do answer DMs. So um, if there's any questions that you have, like I'm very available to people in terms of recovery and things like that. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, I really do appreciate you coming on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know you having this conversation. I feel really fired up and I'm just excited for the day and what, what might happen. I mean, who knows what the day is going to bring. So thank you for coming on today. I loved having you on. I really do appreciate you being on here today. Thank you for having me. That was awesome. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so glad that we were able to connect on social media and take our conversation from social media onto the podcast and be able to share that experience, strength, and hope with the listeners. Thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.